Hi everyone, another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, then you know this show is all about hard-to-find movies, gems in the rough, little-seen movies, uh, movies that need to be rediscovered. And today, I'm going to be talking about kind of, sort of movies, and some of them might be considered uh, soft underbelly material, but I'm mainly going to be focusing today on... uh, memorable theatrical experiences because I do think that going to the movies, going to the theater is, I I hate to say a dying breed. Uh, It's not, it's not dead, but with how things have been going in the recent years with online streaming and the speed with which uh, movies are available online to, to rent and watch like Netflix, Vudu, Amazon prime. And then of course, you know, you've got, the torrents out there too that that movies that aren't even out yet are are available uh so it just seems to me that that going to the uh, to the theater is not the special experience that it once was and i'm 40 years old and uh i've had a a long history with the cinema both good and bad uh, and i've seen you know this is Going to the movies has shaped me to where I am, who I am today, and my love of movies. And going to the movies now, it's just it, every now and then there is an experience that will put you back into that complete state of uh, amazement. Uh, but it's rare for every groundbreaking movie or for every movie that I'm like, I'm so glad I saw this on the biggest screen possible. There's uh, a, a, a big handful of others that you're like, oh, geez, why did I waste my time going out, uh, spending the money, having to deal with obnoxious crowds for this? And that's one of the main... And, and then sitting through all the previews. And I, I'm a big fan of the pre, of previews. What I'm not a fan of is sitting through almost 25 minutes of previews and then the whole introduction to the movie itself, like as far as welcome to AMC and here's why you're supposed to be quiet and here's when blah, 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 blah. And if you're watching a movie that's two and a half hours long, now you're stuck in the theater for three hours. And if you want to get there early to, to get a somewhat decent seat, it, it's a huge commitment. And especially if the movie is so-so, it's it's just not what it used to be. Um, plus, uh, some of these movies, and this is even back before the days of of VHS is you saw the movie in the theater because that was it. You're going to wait for a long time until it ends up on network television. This is in the days before VHS. And so I have uh, some of those as well. And I'm going to try and start with those and kind of work my way up. Uh, Like I said, some of these are soft underbelly material, but a lot of them are just, uh, I hate to say defining moments in my life, but just cherished memories, I guess you could say. Um, and I'm going to start with um, with the biggest one for me, and that is 1980s Empire Strikes Back, and that is the very first movie that I remember seeing ever, and it was in the theater, and I was six years old, and uh, we got there late. I, th- I may have even shared this story on the show before already, but if I'll, this is the Cliff Notes version of it. Showed up at the theater early, or I'm sorry, late. Walked in, doors opened, and uh, huge screen. This is in Dover, Ohio. Uh, 
huge screen filled with snow. It was an on Hoth. We'd got there late, so the movie had already started, and I was just blown away. Uh, too bad I missed the opening Star Wars crawl, like the the, the text crawl, because that was so iconic. It still is iconic, and I didn't I didn't see that the first time. But after that, I was hooked not on not just on movies in general, but of course Star Wars and science fiction. Uh, so that was a great moment in time. Um, I'm sure that my mom and dad regret taking me to that uh, because I was obsessed with Star Wars after that. Uh, completely obsessed. And uh, years later, I would actually revisit the entire trilogy when George Lucas re-released them in the 90s. I was able to see all of them again in the theater. And uh, while it wasn't quite the same, it was still a great time. Watching, Especially watching... Star Wars again, the original Star Wars, A New Hope again. That was really that was a really good time uh, in the theater, especially with the with the effects at that time. The added effects. I know that's a big source of contention with a lot of fans. Is the effects in the 1996 version? People were complaining about, and I was just in awe that you know this is so awesome, and we're watching Star Wars in the theater again. And this is in 1996, so. The internet is not was not what it was like it is now. Uh, in fact, I'm I can't imagine that I even had the internet in 1996. So the only way I I knew about this is watching other movies, and then you see the previews, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome, or network television commercials. So uh, anyway, but it was good to watch all three of the uh, of the originals again, which of course was leading up to the Phantom Menace in 1999. And uh, and that was a great experience too. Uh, I remember I saw that uh, was it. I think just twice in the theater, maybe three times. But I remember uh, um, the first time I saw it, thinking that was like that was the best thing ever. I'm talking about Phantom Menace. Um, and now looking back, it's like that's it's not the worst Star Wars movie, but it's the second worst, and it's it's a chore to get through. But back then, it was just it's like this is a new Star Wars movie, and I. I, I hesitate to say that the same is going to apply to the new one coming out because I think that the new one with with J.J. Abrams at the helm and everything that's going into it, I think it's going to be a fantastic movie. Uh, but uh, So anyway, and I'm guessing there's a lot of you out there, if, listeners, that, that probably remember watching The Phantom Menace in the theater. Now, watching Empire Strikes Back, the original, and Star Wars, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, I sure liked it. I thought that was amazing. Uh, so... To go along with my my childhood movie watching experiences, uh, some were hit and miss. I mean, some were awesome to watch, uh, but not necessarily all that memorable. I will say that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, uh, in the Temple of Doom, whatever you want to call it, uh, was memorable. That was a very memorable experience, not only for the fact that it's a great movie. In fact, that's my favorite Indiana Jones movie, uh, but also that was the movie that pushed the ratings board to the PG-13 rating, that in Gremlins. And, uh, let's see, this was in 1986, I believe, so I was 12 years old. And that was a pretty rough movie. Uh, it still is. That's pushing the boundaries right there. But I remember it vividly. Uh, just the ex- the entire experience and just how good it was. And I had seen, my, my mom had taken me to watch... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater, and again, this is back in the days where uh, movies that did good they would just bring, they would just re-release after a while, like because that's how you could watch them. So uh, Empire, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark had been on forever, and then it was re-released, and that's when I got to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I saw Raiders before I saw Temple of Doom. Actually, nothing about it. Temple of Doom was 84, so I was 10 years old when Temple of Doom came out, not 86. Um, so, anyway, I was too young to watch Temple of Doom in the theater. It was traumatic, uh, but it was so good. Ah, it was great. Um, so, those are the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, now, I did rewatch Raiders of the Lost Ark in IMAX when I lived in Florida, and that was a great time. It didn't have quite the same effect. I've seen that movie so many times through the years. It didn't have quite the same effect that it once did, but it's something about seeing it on a huge screen remastered in the, with the best possible sound system was, uh, was very enjoyable. Uh, so, uh, anyway, that was the Indiana Jones movies and the Star Wars movies. I wanted to t- just get those taken care of and out of the way and, and move on because I've got some other good stuff here. Um, so, next up is, and I'm just going to hit on the Star Trek movies just briefly. Uh, the first Star Trek movie that I, that I ever watched uh, was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and that was on, uh, we were on vacation, and that was on a pay, pay-per-view channel, and my mom let me watch that. And uh, that after that, I was hooked. Now, I had seen some of the TV shows, but never any of the movies. Well, that was what hooked me. After that, then, uh, she actually took me to uh, Part 4 and Part 5 in the theater, which I loved both of them. Even the silly Final Frontier Part 5, I thought it was, it was great. But I, I've watched... Now, since then, I've, I'm, I'm, of course, a huge Star Trek fan. Um, I'll tell you, though, the most memorable... Uh, the, the, biggest experience I can remember for, for Star Trek, though, in the theater, uh, for me personally, was the J.J. Abrams reboot. Um, and I had seen all the Next Generation movies, liked them all, but uh, something about how fresh and new and amazing the Abrams version was, uh, it just it made me fall in love with Star Trek all over again. And, uh, and that was a fairly recent release, but I, I was actually in Canada on vacation and we saw it up there. And I remember, you know, when the, the iconic music came on in the end with the planets and everything, I mean, I, I was getting teary eyed and I'm like, this is, this is taking me back to my childhood. And that was such a good movie. The acting, uh, the, the casting for the most part was, was, it was well cast and it was just a great movie. Uh, and I think that the, the sequel or the, the second one and the Abrams, trilogy. I know that he's not going to be directing the third one, but it, it held its own as well. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the new Star Trek movies and the old ones alike. There's not one single Star Trek movie I don't like. Some of them are not as good as others, but they all hold a special place in my heart. And I know, I, I remember where I was for every single one of those movies the first time I watched them. And uh, so that's very cool. Uh, so anyway, okay, moving on. So uh, just a bit about my childhood and my movie watching experiences. Um, I was... Uh, after Empire Strikes Back, I was addicted to movies. However, my parents were not addicted to movies and still are not addicted to movies. In fact, they watch one movie a year, and that's on New Year's. So uh, I was left to beg, 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 take me to a movie, take me to a movie, to the point where I begged so much for Return of the Jedi and The Goonies. Both of those movies I was not allowed to go see because they got so tired of me um, harping on them to go see it that I wasn't allowed to see it. So um, still kind of pisses me off, but eh, oh well. Um, it is what it is. Uh, so here, the good the good news that comes out of that is that uh, when we would go watch movies, 
my dad wanted to watch movies that he wanted to watch. And my dad likes action movies. So at a very early age, I was, uh, I was watching R-rated movies in the theater, starring Charles Bronson and Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone um, and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I watched one of his movies at a relatively young age. And uh, I, it's just funny looking back. And I have so I own some of these movies now, and they're not that terribly great, but they're still... Uh, they hold a special place in my heart for what what they were at the time in my life. Uh, main ones being Death Wish Part Three and Code of Silence, one starring Chuck Norris, which is Code of Silence, and one starring uh, Charles Bronson, which is Death Wish, obviously. And these are silly uh, '80s cheesy action movies at this point. But back in the day, those were pretty. That was pretty rough stuff. Um, both of them. Both of them had. Uh, copious amounts of nudity and violence. Uh, again, at this point in, in time, at this, in this day and age, it's considered tame, but not back then, uh, especially not to a very young uh, and relatively impressionable boy that loved the cinema. So uh, that was uh, that was that was interesting to say the least. But uh, I, I I loved them as cheesy as they are now. Back in the day, I'm like I I could tell I was watching something that I shouldn't. Be watching. It's almost like subconsciously, you know, I'm watching something that I, I probably shouldn't be watching, and so it made it all the better. Uh, so anyway, the same can be applied for Top Gun in 1986. And Top Gun, my parents took me to see that uh, because they loved Iron Eagle, and Iron Eagle, I believe, came before Top Gun, and uh, and that was oh, they thought that was a great movie. Well, hey, Tom Cruise starring in Top Gun, this can be awesome. Well. It was. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, what's funny about it is there's a very, very slow, awkward sex scene with Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise in it. And the theater was packed. I remember it I remember it just like it happened yesterday. Theater was packed, and we're close to the front row. And it's my sister, myself, my mom, and my dad. We're all sitting there, and it just... It's so awkward. Oh, it was so awkward. That's one of the most awkward moments uh, I can remember as a young... As a as a teenager with my parents, because I was at this point now I'm 12 years old, pushing 13, and that was real awkward. Because at that age, you're changing, and I was, and I'm like, this is awesome yet uncomfortable, and I wish that they wouldn't be here with me watching this. So anyway, um, yeah, Top Gun. Uh, okay, now I want to get into just a couple that uh, I'm gonna kind of jump around just a little bit so I can so I can hit all these. Uh, travel distance to get to movies. I've uh, driven fairly far to see a couple movies in my time just because it felt like something that I should do, like something special. One of them was train spotting, and I watched train spotting with uh, my friend of mine from high school, Tim Rastetter, and we drove far to see that movie. Uh, this is back in the days of living in small town, rural Ohio, and we drove a good hour and a half to watch train spotting up in uh, the Cleveland area, if I remember correctly. I'm not even sure which theater it was. But uh, it, this, again, transpired. This is back in the day where the internet was not available. And, but we had heard about this fantastic movie from this new director, Danny Boyle. And it's so great. And we sh- you should, you got to check it out. So we drove all the way up there knowing little about the movie other than it's this sweet movie from another country about drugs. And so up we went and train spotting it was, and it was fantastic. Uh, just especially knowing that you're watching something special that is not. 
um, you know, we can't just drive to Worcester, Ohio, or uh, like one of the, the, when I say local theaters, when I, we're, we were rural, hardcore rural, that you have to drive at least a half hour to get to a mediocre theater and 45 minutes to get to a good theater. Uh, so anyway, that was, uh, that was an experience. The next one is uh, Requiem for a Dream, uh, Darren Aronofsky's movie. And I saw this with one of my best friends, Phoebe Minuwe. And uh, that was another one where, uh, now at this point, internet was around, but it was still not what it is today. So it was another one where we heard, it's a really cool movie, we should, you should see it. And so we drove far far to see that movie up to Cleveland area. I don't even know what, uh, here's all I remember about that experience is it was in a bar nightclub dance club thing, uh, with a theater as well. And so you go into this place. I have no idea where I, it was Clevelandish area. Uh, you go in there and then, you know, we were watching the movie and the movie was fantastic. And then it was so depressing and creepy and weird. Um, and then the movie is getting to its climax and, the end of this movie is just nuts with drug. This is like, there's so much going on in the movie with drugs and the filming style is so different and odd and out there and you weren't really prepared for it. And this place that we were at starts to gear up for after the movie and it's going to turn into it's nightclub dance club thing. So, there's a big dance floor there, and then behind the dance floor is, is the theater screen that we're watching this movie on. And so they're starting to already like test out their laser lights and stuff. So we're sitting there watching this movie as the smoke machines are being fired up and laser beams are being shot around the room, and people are drinking. And it was such a surreal, bizarre experience, especially if you've seen the movie Requiem for a Dream. You'll know what I'm talking about with, with just how weird that thing was. Uh, and the experience that, that, that where I was at in my life, um, experiencing something, something like that was fantastic. It was, it was one of the most memorable experiences of my life, not just for a movie, but if someone would say, what is like a handful of memorable experiences that I want, that one is up there. I remember it like it happened yesterday. Uh, and I, that's just, um, good times. I'll just say that good times. So. Um, and to go along with the movies that I've seen with my friend Phoebe Minuway, another one that I saw with her and another friend of mine, Christy, from high school. This is in 1993, and this is uh, right, I think we had just graduated, and we're really close, you know, all, we're really good friends, and we go to watch, this is my first experience watching an Alien movie, uh, we watch Alien 3, David Fincher's Alien 3, and it was fantastic. We went to, to Dover, Ohio to see it, and it was everything that I had hoped it would be, even though the movie is now infamous with studio meddling and David Fincher refuses to talk about the movie. Um, Hey, it still exists and it's still a good movie, especially in the producer's cut version. But back then this is what it was. And it was great because I was with two girls and you're in the theater watching the movie and it was fantastic. I just, I was like, yep, this is awesome. I'm 18 year old guy with two girls on either, you know, a girl on either side of me watching this alien movie. What, what could be better? So good experience. Uh, Anyway, uh, next up is uh, a movie that I watched with my co-host over on Movie Freaks, Eric Marner. We went to see Brotherhood of the Wolf. And this is another one where it's like, ooh, hey, this is playing. We need to make the trip to see this movie because it looks great. This is a French movie that deals with werewolves and a lot of other stuff. And it's a weird, weird movie. But it's good. Very good. Uh, Great movie. 
So uh, him and I, and I think, I want to say Jamie, his sister Jamie and her then husband, I think us four went up to see this. Or maybe they met us up there. All I remember is that we saw it and Eric and I loved it and Jamie and I think it, I think it was her husband at the time. I think that they walked out. I have a, a strong hunch they walked out. We didn't. We sat there close to the front row and we loved every second of it. It was great. Uh, another memorable experience for me. And uh, along with uh, movies that I've seen with, with my co-host Eric and I have seen a ton of movies with him, both good and bad. And we've had some experiences in the theaters. Uh, not necessarily good. It seems like more than not, when him and I watch a movie in the theater, uh, the, uh, the theatrical experience is less than uh, pleasant with just stupidity all around us. and But I'm happy to report that the next two movies that I'm going to talk about real quick here, I did see with him, and they were good experiences. And the first one is Grindhouse, and this is the double feature of Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, the one that bombed so tragically back in, I think, 2007, I think. Uh, I think it was 2007. And... Um, it's unfortunate that the movie bombed, although in hindsight, I can see why it did. It was very ambitious, and it was costly, but it was fantastic, and I'm glad to be one of the few that was able to see that movie in the theater. And, and that's, what's cool about Eric and I is that there's a list of movies that, I am, that I'm glad that we saw, to, we were actually able to see it in the theater. Dark City, uh, Ravenous, um, Sphere. I think we saw Sphere in the theater. Um, I think we did. Uh, there are a, a plethora of movies we've seen in the theater together, it, but it's it's cool, especially when something like like even Ravenous. Ravenous is a great example. That movie really didn't do good in the theater, yet uh, we we saw it and it was a great experience. And same with uh, Dark City. In fact, I remember that movie. Uh, we uh, I was going through stuff with a girlfriend at the time, and so we just had a great time watching that movie in the theater and just forgetting about that horrible human being. Uh, so that was great. But Grindhouse, for some reason, really stands out to me as a truly memorable experience. Uh, it, just, it was just so unique and different, and I had this huge grin on my face the entire, entire way through. But we've, all, we've seen City of God, uh, and, and actually my co-host uh, stole a huge marquee of Dawn of the Dead, uh, when we when we went to see that, that was a great time. And in fact, I remember I believe he smoked in the theater, and um, yeah, that was yeah that was quite interesting. We were by ourselves, obviously, in the theater, but yeah, good time. Uh, so anyway, um, and then the other one that, that this is probably the most recent experience for me is Return to Nukem High, which is trauma movie. You haven't seen movies in the theater until you've seen a trauma movie in the theaters, especially one where the director is in attendance and the actors are in attendance, and it was just a very surreal experience, especially when you've had about three or four glasses of scotch, and that was a good time, a great time, actually. That was one of the highlights of my year last year, actually, and um, I'm really hoping that I can convince him to go watch Return to Newcomb High Part 2 when it comes around. I'm sure it will, so... But me and that guy have got tons of stories about movies that we've seen in the theater. I've shared some of the good experiences, but trust me, there has been some bad ones. Uh, it, we were in the same theater when Fight Club came out, although uh, we were with two different groups of people. Um, and I was heavily influenced with the, by the group of people that I was with that were all huffing and puffing and moaning and groaning the whole way through, and they hated it. Well, so I left the theater thinking, well, that was meh. And he left the theater behind me saying, 
well, what'd you think? And I'm like, oh, that was terrible. And he was like, what? And uh, it took me years to rewatch that movie. But when I finally did, it is uh, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, most cinemaphiles, most pe- people that love, love, love movies uh, have an appreciation for Fight Club and what it is and what it brought to the table at the time. So uh, anyway, moving on here, I'm running out of time. Um, another couple, uh, one in particular I thought was really cool that I saw in the theater was Jason Goes to Hell. And this was the first Friday the 13th movie that I was able to see in the theater because I was old enough to drive. And so uh, my buddies and I went up to or went to Dover and uh, we saw it and it was great. We were all tooting and hollering and laughing. And um, so I'm probably getting my comeuppance uh, because of how I acted sometimes in the theater back when I was a teenager. Uh, but I do remember that was a great experience. Everybody was just engaged with that movie and having a great time with it. I mean, it was bad, but it was fun. It was we really had a good time with it. So uh, I, I'm happy to say that I saw that in the theater and, and quite enjoyed it. So anyway, um, couple more here. Jurassic Park. I saw Jurassic Park at once in a first-run theater, and it was a great experience. However, the highlight for me of Jurassic Park was watching that movie at the Dollar Theater in Canton, Ohio. And this is the old Dollar Theater. Um, run down, whatever. It was packed. And I, I, I went with my two cousins, Kevin and Jason Weaver, and we went and it was sold out. And we were in one of the first rows. And for some reason, it was so incredibly loud, the movie itself. Everybody was so into that movie. It was like I had never seen it before. And it was uh, one of the better experiences I've ever had in a theater. It was great. Something about it was just perfect. Uh, and, and it's just I love when there's those moments in time. You need those moments in time where everything, the planets align and everything is just perfect. The crowd was great. Even though it was sold out, the crowd was great. We were close to the front. My Both of my cousins were just in awe of this movie, and they're not big movie fans. And the, it was sold out. It was, it was fantastic. And that's another one where I remember it like it was yesterday. So huge thumbs up. A um, couple more, then I'm done. I'm going to bring up Avatar strictly because the 3D when it came out was so groundbreaking and it was such an experience to see on the big screen. I watched it twice in 3D in the theater and uh, the law of diminishing returns applies to that movie in spades. It is still a good movie, but uh, it, it, um, it's, it's got its moments of, okay, let's, this is kind of hokey, but it's still a good movie. It is to go along with, the more modern style of filmmaking and what filmmakers are trying to do, like bring bring new things to the table. I I will comment on Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy um, because it was shot in forty eight frames per second. Uh, it, it's it's a very odd way to watch a movie in the theater, although it is very it's very unique, and I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I've seen all three of them in forty eight frames per second in the theater, and they are very memorable experiences because it's not something that you you see. At all, um, and it takes it takes your eyes a good twenty for me a good twenty twenty five minutes to really adjust to the fact that you're watching something that looks like uh, something uh, like the biggest budget Discovery Channel show you've ever seen in your life because that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like a movie, and so it's 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 hard to get engaged. But then once you do, and there are certain action scenes that happen that you do see, uh, it's like this is fantastic, and I can't see I can't see watching this any other way. Will that become a staple in movie making? I doubt it. I highly doubt it, but you never know. I, I like to be forward thinking, and it, it might be. 
especially if I know that the next Avatar movie is going to be shot that way. So uh, it might be. Who knows? Um, okay, so I got two more. I, I could keep going on and on and on, but I got to wrap things up. Two more. Next is The Exorcist, the version that you've never seen. That was the re-release played in the theater, and I had seen that movie numerous times before it hit theaters again, but there's something about The Exorcist, trust me. And seeing that on the big screen and seeing scenes that you've never seen before, the spider walk backwards down the steps, um, the addition of Captain Howdy's face here and there, it was a great experience. Extremely scary, uh, but it's The Exorcist. There's nothing that more that needs to be said about The Exorcist other than if you've never seen it in a theater, it is quite something uh, terrifying. And the last movie is, uh, strangely enough, Zero Dark Thirty. And the reason I'm bringing this movie up is because uh, my dad and I, it's not like we are bosom buddies and we go hang out and all that stuff. Uh, We don't. And um, the fact that he wanted to go see a movie with just me, this is never, I don't know if this has ever happened before ever in my life. And uh, was, this is only a couple years ago. We were in Florida actually, and he went to go watch the movie. And so we went to see it and it was just, uh, a very meaningful experience for me. The movie was good-ish, um, but the fact that my dad and I were actually able to watch a movie together uh, was was a great experience. And I'm I'm really hoping that that is something that I knew how much that meant to me just that one time. And I'm 40. That I'm really looking forward to doing that with my with both of my kids individually, uh, frequently, uh, because at least it means a lot to me. And so I want that's something that I was I'm really hoping to. Um, to, to give that experience to my kids as they grow older. So that's what I'm going to wrap up with. Um, you can, of course, get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. And uh, any questions, comments, I would love to hear of, of any cool movie experiences that you may have had. I think that would be cool. I'd love to hear about them. Um, and tomorrow night, coming soon to a podcast near you, is going to be the Megapod Show with our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. You can find them on iTunes and Movie Freaks. They're also, we're also on iTunes now. I can't wait for the show. It's going to be fantastic. Stay tuned. Uh, We're going to do different segments. It's going to be all sorts of movie talk. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all going to be on there. And uh, good times are ahead. So stay tuned for that. That's going to do it for my show today. I really hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time, I'm Eugene Weaver. Thanks for listening. Mm